right. Praise God. Whew. I'm still trying to uh, recover from just that powerful moment that we just experienced. And man, God is good. God is so good. I always want to have a heart yielded for moments like that. When the Holy Spirit moves on a, on a heart of, of people who are wanting to respond. So thank you. Those of you online, thank you for your prayers. Uh, God is speaking. God is speaking. And we need to continue to have that posture to hear what the Lord has to say. Because heaven, heaven is standing. Heaven is waiting. Heaven is, is looking. And I just sense that so deeply in my spirit right now. That heaven hears I think somebody needs to hear that this morning, that heaven hears your voice. That in a room full of people, people online connected with us right now, heaven hears your voice. That he knows the tone of your voice. He knows the call of your heart. I, I just can't phantom a God that is so big that he hears our hearts. That he hears our whisper. That he hears the unspoken words that we can't just say out loud, but they're deep, lodged deep in our hearts, and yet he can respond to even those words. I, I just, I'm blown away. I'm overwhelmed by how great our God is. Let's never lose sight of that. Never lose sight of that. And yet he's listening to your heart. It, it's such a, such a powerful thought right now that I'm trying to gather my thoughts together because I believe that God is still at work. He's still going to clear out the clutter, maybe, that some of us have came in here with or have been watching online with, but God's going to clear that up today. He's going to make a clear path for where he wants your life to head in 2021. I believe that with all my heart. So thank you for being here. Thank you for watching online. We're so thankful that you have chosen to start your year off making sure that church is priority, that the gathering of believers is a priority in your house and in your heart and in your life. I, I think there's a blessing behind that, that God is putting on you this year. If we make the effort, if we make sure that we are not forsaking the gathering of believers, that I truly believe that. And you have blessed me by being here. You have blessed me. My life has improved because you made this a priority in your life. And I know that we can all say amen to that. So let's just say amen. amen. That means we agree. Amen. Well, in the church, uh, in our church community, we're in a season right now where we set aside 21 days in the first month of the year to, to get along with God, to, to take some things out of our lives and use that time to be more in God's presence. And, and this is our, our second week we're going into. Maybe you didn't join us last week. There's still time for you to jump in, okay? For the next two weeks, you can join us in our time of setting some time apart taking something out of your life and adding more time with God. We call it Revival 21 here. And, um, and what's been really cool is I've been, get, I've been getting tons of feedback about how excited people are to go through the entire Bible in one year. Yeah, there's a lot of hoorahs and yahoos and, and all that stuff. And that's such an exciting thing for a pastor to know that, man, people are hungry for God's word. They're hungry to get to, to, to understand it and to discover more of it. And that's the thing. I've been serving God for over 20 years. And taking this discipline serious about getting in scripture daily. But I'm telling you, I'm always digging in and finding new treasures as I go in God's word. And I try to study God's word, but there's always so much more. So I hope that you can join us with that. I'm going to be uh, doing the hoorahs and the hollers in March, in April, in May. 
Because, you know, if you know anything about, about times like that where we start off good, but then we kind of start to, to get distracted or it's not as fun anymore, you need a, you need a coach to be saying, get back in. And that's going to be me all year. We're going to get back in. We're going to finish this. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be so much better off because we're making the word a priority. And I want to tell you, this is not a New Year's resolution. When we take this time every year, it's not a New Year's resolution. What it is is it's setting the course for our hearts, setting the direction of our lives. The theme for this whole thing, it comes out of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. Many of you guys know this scripture. It says this, it says, in their hearts, humans plan their course. We make plans for our lives, and that's a good thing. Okay? It's not good if we're just living through emotions, if we're just letting life come at us. That's not good. That's not what God intended. He gave us a mind that's brilliant, that can think things through, plan things out. Hopefully you're a couple of steps ahead of any type of financial plan or any type of family plans, any of that. God wants us to have plans. It's important. But we take those plans and we submit them to God. And it says, but the Lord establishes their steps. God will bless our plans and help establish some footing and foundation for our lives when we put him first in regards to our plans. I love the way the message transliteration says it. It says this, it says, we plan the way we want to live, but only God makes, gives us the ability to live it out. I love that. He empowers us when we line up our plans to his will. And that's what this time's about. That's why this is so important. See, a productive life begins with a prepared heart. And that's what we're doing. We're preparing our hearts for the course of 2021. Because no matter if we don't see things coming, God sees it. And God's going to make sure that we fall in line to his plan if we submit it to him. So make a plan, set a course, and follow the Lord's leading. Well, today we kick off a brand new series. And I told you last week that I want to get, get some practical things in our hearts. I want us to practice some things in our lives. And so this morning's message, the series today is about practice. There we say practice. practice. We're talking about practice. Practice. I always talk, when I say that, I always think of Alan Iverson, right? When he was talked to about practice, he's like, practice? We're talking about practice? That's what we're doing. We're talking about practice. Now, often when we hear the word practice and we think about quotes on practice, we know that practice makes right? That's what we hear. Understanding that the things that we practice makes us be better at things that we want to be better in. I also like some other quotes on, in regard to the importance of practice. Here's a quote. It says, you are what you practice the most. Wow. You are what you practice the most. Another one is, it's what you practice in private that will be rewarded in public. Think about that one. Now, in the context of our spiritual lives, my question for all of us today, whether you're watching online or you're here, is this, is what are the things that you are putting into practice in your life? If you were to look at your life and take an inventory and, and, and look through the patterns and the practices that you do every day, what do they say about you? Because those practices are setting the course of your life. They're shaping you. The thing about these things is they're so important because we have to understand this. And the other question is this, is what things do you want to put into practice this year? This is the time to think about it. This is the time to really sit back with the Lord and spend this time of prayer um, and ask the Lord, say, what are some things that I need to put into practice? There's power right there in practicing the right things because it helps create good habits in our lives. Habits that are going to grow us, sustain us, and build our faith habits. 
we operate in our habits all the time, don't we? Whether we're mindful of them or not, we are creatures of habit. We are always doing things that, 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 that we just do. I call it the default button. But those habits, those practices, they're so powerful. They're so powerful. Now, there's some psychology involved. But the main point that I want you to pick up on today is that these habits, these practices, they are powerful because they will direct your life. They will direct your life. See, the thing about habits is that we get to form habits in our lives. We make daily choices to continue habits or to break habits. Many of us right now this time of year are thinking about those habits. And we make these habits, but eventually those habits make us. So we got to be mindful of what we're practicing. We say practice. <laughs> Here's the thing. We often overestimate the power of one defining moment in our lives. Yet we underestimate the power of making small decisions on a daily basis. See, if we really want to see change in our lives, like real change, and many of us are crying that out, we're praying those prayers, God's listening to our hearts, he's trying to empower our lives, and we're saying these prayers, but we don't want to put things into practice that he's made very clear in his word for us to be mindful of, those daily choices, those normal everydays that we live, those routines that we get to control, are we lining that up to what God's placed on our heart, the things he wants us to grow in? That's when, that's what we need to practice this year. You know, if you were to interview an athlete at the prime of their life, the prime and the peak of their performance, and you were to interview them and say, hey, what was the moment where everything just got you where you're at? they would turn around and look at you and they would laugh because they understand that it wasn't one moment, but it was thousands of small daily decisions to go to practice, to train, to do these things over and over and over and over again for an extended period of time to help them build up so that when they were on the field or whatever platform they were given, they can perform at the best they could be. Why? Because they took practice seriously. They took the instructions from their coach and their trainers to say, this is how you do it. And they learned and they listened and they practiced. How does that work in our spiritual lives? Do we need to engage more with spiritual practices in our lives so that we could be our best, be what God's called us to be? So today we're talking about practice, talking about the things that we practice. And, and, and really the topic today is going to be a big one, okay? Probably could do a whole series on it, and I've done it before. But it's one that I think is we have to think about um, how this practice or these habits, how it affects lots of areas in our lives. And this is it. I want to talk about the way we use our words, the way you, we talk. Are we practicing controlling our tongue? <laughs> I know, this one stung me a bit too. Are we practicing how to choose our words wisely? Because the Bible is very clear that that's what we ought to be practicing. That, that ought to be what people say about Christians, Christ followers, is that we can control that, that we have wisdom in. Now, I'm not asking you if you're a wordsmith or if you're an eloquent speaker. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm really asking is, do you think about what you're going to say before you say it? 
Are you mindful of the power of your words? Have you taken inventory? Have you paid attention of not just what you say, but how you say it? This is an important discipline. The truth of the matter is, is that what we speak has the power to determine, listen to this, it has the power to determine the quality and the direction of your life. And I'm going to show you in scripture this to be true. It's not just a theory or a thought, but it's the truth from God's word. Our words are powerful. How many believe that our words are powerful? We're learning that even more right now, that words are powerful. Words are powerful. And guess what? We are accountable to God for how we yield that power. Jesus himself said this in Matthew 12, verse 36. He says, I tell you. When Jesus says, I tell you, it means it's certain. He says, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Woo! That doesn't make you pucker up and tune in. I don't know what will. You're just like, what? Every careless word we're going to be judged for. Wow. Now, before I go any further, let's make a deal. From this point forward, let's not think and focus on the words that were spoken to us, okay? I promise you, I will take time at the end of this message to pray for those words because those wounds are deep. I get it. I work with people all the time. I've worked through that stuff in my life for many years, okay? I know the deep wounds of somebody speaking words against you and words that have torn you down. I get that. We're going to pray for that. But I want for the sake of this teaching right now for us to think when we're talking about this in the context of our own words, that we take responsibility for what we say when we speak. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Many of us know this verse. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Wow. That's how powerful our words are. I love the message version of it. It says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. You get to choose. I think too often we forget how powerful our words are. Not just what we say, but how we say it. Our words are either going to be fruitful and lead us to a fruitful life, or they're going to lead us to a rotten life. But we get to choose. We get to be in control of that. So you wonder, why is words so powerful? Why, why are they so powerful? Here, here's, here's my thoughts on this, okay? I think it's because words affect the way we think. Affect the way we think. Have you ever realized that you can't think without using words? Think about it. You're using words as you're thinking about what I just told you to think about. All right, we think in words. And what makes it so powerful is that when we think and the words that are in our minds actually is our voice. So we're more accustomed to listening to our own voice in our minds with our thoughts and those words. You get where I'm going here. See, words have the power to influence your thoughts. We see the power of the word as God is creating it. And, and Nick shared that in, in this time of, of, of worship. He talked about the power of God. We're in Genesis, and we see that at the beginning, God spoke. He gave a word, and there was light. He gave a word, and things started to form. There's power in that. He spoke the world into existence. Now, in preparation, I was thinking about this, and all week, I've been monitoring my words. I've been thinking about what I was going to say, and let me tell you, it's hard, <laughs> 
And I was really hoping that I'd get in front of you and I'd stand before you and I'd say, yeah, all week I've been observing my words, I've been taking notes, I've been noticing what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, and you know what? I gave myself an A+. <laughs> I really wanted to say that. But with some real self-awareness, I thought, you know, I'm probably more of a C-. minus. That's not terrible, but like, it was hard. I knew what I was doing. I was trying to be careful. What I said, how I said it, speaking less, it's very hard for me. <laughs> and what I realized, too, is that it was like, I realized that there was a lot of things that I had some negative habits to overcome if I really wanted to put this into practice. Now, I'm not talking about grammar, okay, because I can, I can work on that. But I'm talking about patterns and attitudes of how I use my words. I also noticed how much my words affected my attitude. That's what I noticed the most. And so today I want to identify some harmful, harmful uh, ways that we use our words, ways that we may not understand that there are habits of how we talk. We don't even know that we're practicing. And so I want us to help us bring some light into that area. But also, I think that God's going to help us learn to put some things into practice if those things are struggles for us. And I can see that in some ways, these things will be struggles for us. So the first one is this, complaining and criticism. Ooh, we're going to go right there, right from the beginning. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, he says, he says, do everything, not some things, not what you want, what you don't want. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Those are instructions for us. Man, complaining is so easy to do, isn't it? It's so easy to do. You start to complain. It's just, it's just something that happens. It's just, we might be in the habit of doing that and not even know, but we are complainers. We're grumblers. We're critics. You can find something to complain about no matter where you're at and who you're with. If, you're that, if you have the habit, if you have that thing, and you've that mindset, you can do it. And we think that complaining helps us because it's just pointing out things that need to change, right? <laughs> but have you noticed that complaining never helps the situation that we want to see changed? And when we fall into the patterns of complaining, we start to become a critic. Criticizing and having that critical spirit is a spirit. It's an attitude. It's anchored in pride. See, when we use words of complaining and we criticize, what we're doing is that we're creating this mindset in our hearts and in our lives and this thought life and this pattern that believes that we are better than everyone else, that we know more than every, we're the smartest person in the room. And if they just did it the way we think they should be done, because there's only one way to do it and they're not doing it, but I know how to do it. And I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to criticize and I'm going to complain. And you start doing that. Guess what happens? You become an unteachable person. Wow. It closes you off to growing and maturing. That's why God says, don't complain. <laughs> don't grumble. So when you find yourself complaining, ask yourself, is there something that I can do about this? When you have a check in your spirit and say, yeah, you know what? Something's off here. Something could be better. Something can improve. Some of you guys are very gifted in knowing that kind of stuff. Think to yourself, is there something I can do to change that? And if the answer is yes, do it. Stop complaining. Here's the thing. Never complain about something that you allow in your life. Never complain about something that you're unwilling to make an effort to change. Just stop it, right? You're not making it better. There's nothing wrong with wanting to make something better, but be willing to be humble enough to offer 
to be part of the solution. Yeah? <laughs> you know, sometimes I have a hard time when people come and they complain to me that they're lonely and that nobody's connecting with them and, and they want the church. They, they criticize the church and I say, you guys should be doing more to, to make my life have more friends. And then I have to stop and go, wait, okay, when was the last time you made the effort to connect with somebody? When was the last time you invited somebody to do something? When was the last time you sent out a text? You sent an album, You sent a phone call? Yeah, but Pastor, you know, they come up with all these excuses on why they can't. When I'm saying, what can you do to help offer a solution to this and open your life up? Have you participated in a group? Have you served on teams? If you're online, there's many ways to plug in still. Trust me, there is. But you can't complain, you can't criticize. And it all starts with our talk, how we speak. So we need to practice this next time. Next time yeah, you get into that critical mindset and you start realizing you're complaining and being critical, you need to check yourself, check your heart, and capture that thought and say, hey, can I do something about this? And if so, then jump in and do it. Now, there are situations that we can't control. I get it. But you know what we can't control in those situations? Our attitudes. And our attitudes dictate how we speak. So change your words. The second one is gossip. Woo! Got quiet. <laughs> no one wants to be associated with this one. But we all understand the allure and enticement that gossip brings to our itching ears. We all like to be in the know. We all like to hear and get some insight on someone's life. We all like to know that we know something that other people don't know. There's a crazy human nature side of us that kind of likes that a bit. So we're kind of digging in. We're kind of listening. And when we do is when gossip is, is spoken or we're somebody sharing something that we're not supposed to share with someone else, it kind of just strokes our ego. But gossip is destructive. Gossip has the power to ruin lives. I can stand up here and tell you that gossip has ruined lives. And God doesn't take it lightly, so neither should we. This is what God says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 and 9. He's very strong in this. He says this. He says, there are six things that the Lord hates. Wow. Seven things that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, the hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows, sows discord among brothers. He says this is what the Lord hates. Lying, spreading lies, creating division. And that's what gossip does. And God warns us about this. God says he hates it. Why does he hate it? Because he knows how destructive it is. It is like a wildfire. It burns hot, it spreads fast, and it destroys things in minutes that took years to build. That's what gossip does. Proverbs 16, 28 says, a dishonest man spreads strife and whispers, and a whisper separates close friends. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. See, when we talk about a person who's not present, this is what we're doing. We're magnifying their flaws, their failures, and their insecurities. And in some sick sort of way, we kind of like that because it makes us feel like we're a little bit better. 
That's why it's dangerous. You know, I know we, we, we can kind of get to a place where we're like, I just need the process. I just need the vent. Now, let me tell you, there is, there is something about that. There is something about finding a safe place and a safe person that you can process with if it affects you and impacts your life that you could process and talk about things that you're processing through and venting. But if you're doing this more and more to multiple people, it's gossip. It's gossip. Now, what we do is we get trapped in that. It just becomes something that we just don't see as, that's eh, not that bad. But it starts to infiltrate our hearts. And it starts making us feel better. Because we're not trying to reconcile. We're not trying to fix anything. We're just trying to make ourselves feel better. And that's what gossip can be. And as Christians, we need to be careful not to wrap gossip around a prayer request. Right? We need to understand that. We need wisdom and discretion, and we need, to, we need to ask for permission. I mean, come on. There's been things ruined. There's been churches split. There's been relationships broken because people didn't keep that wisdom in that prayer bubble. The last one is this is sarcasm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's getting hot in here, right? Ephesians 4, 29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such that is good for building up as, fit, as fits the occasion. And it may give grace to those who hear. Here's, here's another translation. It says, Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps each, gift, each word a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. When we, when we don't watch what we say, when we carelessly use our words, when we, build, we tear down, not build up, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It says, make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ has forgiven you. Proverbs 26 18, 19. I know I'm just rapid fire with scriptures today. I like it. It says this. It says, people who shrug off deliberate deception saying, I don't mean it. I was only joking. You know, there's always a little bit of truth in some of those jokes and they sting, right? It's like the little cuts that people give with sarcasm, man. Because the person on the other end, you're laughing at their expense. You're trying to make them look good. Now, I, I know that there's times where there's some funny sarcasm and you can joke around friends and all that, but if that's the pattern of your talk, if that's what you're saying all the time, then people don't know where they stand with you and you're not going to have a trusting, honest relationship. And you wonder why. You wonder why people, people don't want to come to you and be open and honest because you're just full of sarcasm. You're not going to take it serious, so why should they take you seriously? Some of you need to hear that. Now, there's some of us who are very good with our words. And you know that your words, you've experienced this, I know. Words can stab, they can scorch, and they can scar people. You know, some of my biggest regrets aren't things that I've done, but it's been things that I've said. You know, nothing gets the point across better than James in the Bible. The book of James, James chapter 3. I don't think I have time to go into all this, but you should read it. But he talks about the importance of us understanding this 
concept of how, how powerful our words are and how we need to learn how to submit them to God because they are not able to be controlled by us and us alone, but that we need the Lord's help. He says this, he says, not many of you should, should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Do you know that I am going to be judged more by every sermon I preach? I, I think about that every week of how much I'm judged by the words I use every Sunday here. That, that scares me a bit. That humbles me. <laughs> he says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Then he goes on and talks about how these, a, a horse is, 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 um, is controlled by this tiny little bit in their mouth. He talks about how this large ship can be controlled and steered by a rudder. He says, likewise, verse 5, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It's corrupt the whole body, sets the course of one's life on fire. See how powerful the words we say are, the patterns and how we say things, the things that we, we, we do. He goes on in verse 9, he says, he says that all these things cannot, we can control and tame so many things, creatures, animals, all that. He says, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restful evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we also curse human beings who have been made in the likeness of God. He says, out of the same mouth can come praise and cursing. Brothers and sisters, it should not be that way. And he goes on and says, like, you know, about talking about the trees and how, you know, you don't, the fruit, you know, you have to know the fruit. And, and he talks about water, that you don't get salt water and fresh water out of the same spring. So it's a, it's a, it's a hard issue. We know that the tongue, as small as it is, as words, as careless as we use them, as small as they are, they have the potential to steer, stall, and scorch many things in your life. James warns us as believers that, that, there is, that we have to be careful not to use our words and use our voice to praise God and curse people. He says that shouldn't be. Jesus says that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Words reveal your heart. Now, you have may say, said things foolishly. Come on, we all do, right? We may have had moments where we've said things that we regretted. I get that. Today's focus is like, what are the patterns <laughs> of how we talk? The things that we say out of habit. This is the thing, friends. Jesus, if we say Jesus is the Lord of our life, then he needs to be the Lord of our lips. Are we submitting that? And maybe in today's age, I might say, is he the Lord of your posts? Because those have power as well, right? We need the Holy Spirit to muzzle us. To show us, we need to break these habits, friends. And in order to do that, we have to put some right things into practice. And I want to close by giving you a couple of big ideas in this. Number one is that we have to guard our mouth. Your mouth cannot be contained, but it can be guarded. No one is perfect. I get it. But we need to be paying close attention to what we say. Even though we mess up in areas, and even the best of us does, 
especially in this area, we can't contain our words. What I mean is that we got to be quick to listen and slow to speak. That's what that means. We have to probably put more pauses in our conversations so that we take the moment to respond and not just react to what we think we heard. That's why the psalm says this, Psalms 141.3 says, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. This is a prayer. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. What if that was our prayer? That would be a radical prayer, wouldn't it? For some of us especially. Being the practice of every day, coming to the Lord every morning and saying, Lord, help me not to send or post or say anything that grieves your spirit. What if you said that every morning? What if you put that into practice? Number two, bite your tongue. You don't have to say everything you feel like saying. (laughs) Or you don't have to post everything you feel. This is the hardest one for me because I'm a verbal processor. I have to work extra hard on this one. Yeah, my wife's laughing over here. (laughs) Because sometimes I'm just, you know, I don't even know what I'm saying sometimes. I'm just talking. It's annoying at times. I annoy myself at times. But give the Holy Spirit control of the delete button. Bite your tongue. We live in a culture today that says that you're being suppressed. You're being censored if you're not able to express everything that goes through your head. Everything that you want to say. Everything that you feel. I think we've lost the gift and the skill of restraint and exercise and wisdom. Just because it can be said doesn't mean it needs to be said. Here's the thing about about God's wisdom. See, knowledge is knowing what to say. Wisdom is knowing when to say it. Some of us need to ask the Lord for a little bit more clarity on the wisdom when we speak. Proverbs 10, 19 says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. I bet you didn't think that was in the Bible. (laughs) Please don't use this on your spouse, okay? (laughs) At least don't email me, okay? Because I warned you. The last one here is speak up. I'm not talking about volume. I'm talking about attitude. Speak up. You get what I'm saying here? Speak to build up, not tear down, is what I mean. The words you speak over people can change the course of their lives. Do you know that we speak the most words to the people that we love and care about the most. You realize that? That's who you're talking to. So when we're talking about words, we're talking about what we're saying to the people closest to us. And a lot of times, we're careless about it. A lot of times, we're not thinking about it. We're just talking. And we might need to put in some practice on how to talk to those we love. We don't mean to harm them. We don't mean to hurt them. We don't mean to do, but we do because we're not checking our hearts, allowing the Holy Spirit to help us tame this tongue. But our words carry weight, especially for those closest to us. They're, they're heavy weight. I want to give an example. Friend Andres, will you come up here and help me out, bro? Come on up here and help me out. You're big and strong. Yeah, you are. You're going to prove it to everybody. And <laughs> on the internet, thousands of people. Yeah, you're going to prove to everybody how strong you are. He's a little nervous up here. You get a little closer. Or right there, six feet. Six feet, okay. <laughs> but we have to understand. I want to give you a visual to walk away with about the power of words. Our words are heavy. 
Our words carry weight. Especially the closest people to us, they carry more weight. And so when we use our words carelessly, what we're doing, these are heavy, but there you go. It's like these concrete blocks. When we don't use them well, we're just stacking them on people's lives. We're stacking them on their hearts, stacking them on their minds. And they hear these words and we say, hey, you're dumb. Why did you make that decision? Man, you're, you're terrible at that. You, I, you know, what's wrong with you? Keep adding. You got this? Yep. All right. Keep adding. Our words can be a burden on somebody that they're carrying in their lives. We choose. So the words we're using on people, we're, we're just stacking and stacking and stacking, and we're just loading their lives, and they, some of them can't go where they need to go in life. You're not helping them. You're not lightening their load. You're not carrying the burdens. You're just adding more because of the careless words that we use for the people that we love the most. Wow. Or we choose to say, man, you're great. You're good at that. I appreciate you. I love you. Stand on these. Or they could be a foundation for these people to stand on. We could either burden them or we could build them up. Amen? That's the power of our words. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You want some uh, a towel? Here you go. Woo. There you go. I was sanitized and clean. Our lives, the words we use, we have the power of this powerful tool called our words, our voice, and how we use them. And we either are going to build walls or we're going to build bridges. We're either going to build up or we're going to burden. And maybe that's the change in our lives. Maybe that's the big aha moment you're walking away with, thing that you need to put into practice before you go into a tough conversation, before you make that phone call, before you have that conversation. You're saying, man, am I going to use my words today to build up or burden? And let the Holy Spirit work through that. I got to be honest with you. Like, this has been a tough message for me to really work through. And every message works through. A good friend of mine told me, he's like, a good message. He's here in the room. He knows what I'm talking about. He said, he said a good message makes you bleed a little bit. And this is hard for me. This is a hard one. This is one that's very hard because I have this gift of where I want to come up. I want to communicate. I want people to hear what I have to say about God's word. But man, I can take that stuff and I could use that gift in the wrong way and I can cut things down and I can tear things up and put people where they need, you know, it's, it's a terrible, terrible thing that could happen when it's not used with wisdom and care. And I could say that there's been so many times in my life, in my marriage, where I've used these words to tear down the one that I vowed that I would build up and build a life with, but I've used those words. My kids, to break their little spirits, instead of building them up to be all that God called them to be, but I just get lazy and I get tired and I just use stress. I use every excuse to say, I used to think that I had the right to express whatever I want, when I want, how I want. And it was just what we were we're supposed to do, but that was immature thinking. And I have a lot of work to do. I have a lot of work to do in this. I'm not coming up here telling you that I'm the professional at this, but I am telling you that I'm working on this. And I won't take you where I'm not willing to go. And I'm saying, I'm working through this. Please work on this. 
because I've seen so much division in our nation because of words. So many brokenness in our families because of words. This is real. This is truth. We need to take it serious because he says the words have the power of life and death, but we choose. Real change happens when you put things into practice, when you're consistent, when you're intentional, when you're committed. This isn't going to happen overnight. This isn't going to happen with one prayer right now to say, you know, God, that's a start. That's a first step. Way to go. But if you're fooling yourself and you're thinking this isn't an everyday practice, that's, you got knowledge today. Light bulbs turned on, hearts were turned. But what are you going to do with that knowledge? Because knowledge, knowledge doesn't do us much good, okay, until we put that knowledge into practice, and that's where it becomes a transformation. You can know what to do, but unless you're practicing it, you really are not going to be good at it. You're really not going to know it fully. If you're here, you can stand to your feet. If you're watching online, we love you. Thank you. Take a moment to pause, meditate. Hopefully you're not being distracted by now, but you're zoned right in on the Holy Spirit, on what he's saying to you in regards to whatever was spoken today. There's a last verse I want to leave you with. It's verse 19, 14. I think you need to see it. I think some of you may just hold on to it. Be amazing if every day we look at it and this would be a, a sincere prayer from our heart. And it says, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my God, my rock, my redeemer. Wow. What if we put that into practice every day? I told you, I promised you that I would, I would um, pray for anybody here online here that you've been hurt by words. You know those deep wounds, and I want to pray for your heart, your spirit, your mind to be able to bring it before God. So you're going to have a moment to do that. But for the rest of us, I think that right now we're in the middle of a fast. <laughs> and I know when I'm in a fast, like I'm repenting a lot. Something about a fast causes me to tune into that posture. And so I just sense that all of our hearts today, we can all repent about things we've said how we've used our word, things we've been in the default mode of. Can we take a moment to be honest with God, to be honest with ourselves and say, God, will you help me in this area? Come on, go ahead and just talk to him about that. Just say, Lord, help me in this area. What, maybe it was something I mentioned or maybe it was something I didn't, but you, by the Holy Spirit, recognize that. And you're like, yeah, I do that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting what I want from this. This is, this is, working down, not working up. I, whatever that is. Father, I pray for my friends today, God. I pray those that have been hurt and wounded and they're carrying these burdens, Lord, of words that were said over them, maybe as a child, and yet they're an adult and they're still thinking about it. They're still holding on to it. They think that's their identity. But God, I pray right now that they remind themselves of what your word says. And your word says that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your word says that they are called and chosen by you. Your word says that you will begin the work and finish the work, Lord God. The, your word 
what you say about us, how you delight in us, how you love us, how you want us, Lord. They're not rejected, they're accepted. They're not abandoned, they're rescued and redeemed. They're not used up, they're made whole in you. Jesus, I pray that if anybody right now is struggling in that, whatever word, that they're gonna replace it by your word right now, God. They're gonna replace it with what you said because you have a more powerful word. And God, I pray for the rest of us right now, God. We're sorry, God. Lord, we want our heart to break with what breaks your heart. We don't want to grieve your Holy Spirit. So will you check us right now, Lord? Will you just let us respond to you right now? Come on, whatever way you want. That's the beauty about this. I mentioned earlier, God knows your voice, your heart. So go ahead and respond. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I need you. Yeah, God, thank you so much. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's the thing, guys. I'm sorry, please forgive me, is some of the most powerful words you can say. Some of us, we might need to say that this week to one or two other people. And it will not only change the course of 2021 for you, but it might set the course for the rest of your life. So will you think about that? Will you respond to that? We love you here at Grace Church. We're so thankful for you. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Come on, that's not cliche. That's truth, right? Yeah, we give God the glory. God, we thank you. We love you. We praise your holy name. Lead us this week. Help us finish our fast with a heart that is open to you in every way. We love you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you next week.